Well, there is a ton to unpack with this one, but first, we need some air. There. So there's a ton of here to unpack uh, today. There's a, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was going through this, there's about four or five different sermons here. And we're going to go through this in a way that, um, well, hopefully we're going to go through this in a way that you can understand it, that you can learn from it, and that uh, as God continues to talk through His Word, because we know His Word is true, and uh, we also know that He leads through His Word. And as we've seen so far, let's just, let's just recap for a second. Acts chapter 1. They are gathered together, and God is, Jesus is telling them exactly what's going to happen. Then they see him taken up into heaven. Then they're in the upper room, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then last week we saw that Peter got up and he preached. And when we go through and, and, and think, you know, last week I, I know I, I talked about justification, and today we're going to be looking at salvation and baptism, along with some other things, but uh, we see here, all throughout these passages of Scripture, what it's doing is it is, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it Lutheranism 101, it's Christianity 101. People ask me continually, well, sometimes you don't sound like you're a Lutheran pastor. You're right. I'm a Christian pastor that believes in Lutheran doctrine. Okay? I'm a big C, little L. And I, when I look at Scripture, I see exactly, or I'm being taught exactly what God wants us to see in these passages of Scripture. And in this passage of Scripture, it speaks very cleanly. Very clear, very to the point. I think it was because Peter was so uh, who he was. Peter was he was a he was a straight up here it in, it, I'm in your face kind of guy. That's who Peter was, and God used him in a very powerful way. He was the one that stood up very first and said, "Y'all need to hear this." And so today we're going to take a look at their response. The people that responded to Peter when he gave his sermon, this, this in-gathering, this time, because it says right there in the very beginning, it says, and they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and asked Peter, or said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, what are we going to do now? And so when we see What's been going on here, again, remember that this is Luke writing this, okay? Luke is writing this, who was a Gentile physician. He's going to be very factual. He's going to be very uh, uh, to the point. He's not going to embellish at all. It's going to be, here it is, this is what happened and how it happened, down to the exact period, jot and tittle. Okay, And so here we see that, that it continues down this road, this story about Jesus and how he started the first church and the miracles and the reminders of God's ultimate power. 
As we see, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be concerning uh, Jesus and his, his exaltation, but, but also we just saw in the la- at, at the very end of his last sermon where it talks about David and saying, yes, I know everybody loves David, and he was a very powerful, powerful king, but he died, and he didn't rise again. But from his line, the Messiah, the Savior, came. His name was Jesus. So the first thing here we see in verse 37, they are convicted. They are convicted. The Spirit of God now stirs in the people's sinful hearts. And after Peter's powerful, Spirit-filled message, the people were deeply moved and asked, what do we do? This is a basic question that we all ask, isn't it? Is it enough to be sorry for my sins? We must repent. We must ask God for forgiveness and then live like forgiven people. Has God ever spoken to you through His Word? Through words of the other believers? Like Peter's audience, they asked God what they should do. And they obeyed. So what did God, what did, what did, what did Peter tell them? What did the Holy Spirit fill in Peter to tell them? It's like he is in front of the church, and the church has just said, okay, thank you for hitting us hard with law and gospel. Okay, again, law is, gospel is, well, God is done. Okay, so Peter has just hit them hard with law and gospel, called them all out, but then showed them that Jesus loves them so much, and he has a very special plan for each one of them. And they said, what do we do now? Peter's response is right there. Can you imagine that this was his response? Well, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was just that bold. He just said, this is it. He didn't say, well, it's going to take a little while. Got a lot of work to do. I have to start at the bottom and work our way up. No. He was very straight up. He goes, repent. What does repent mean? Turn from your sins. Turn from your sins. Take a complete opposite direction and turn from your sins. This is the command that we see in verse 38 and 39. Peter tells the crowd they must repent. Turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, period. Guess what? Confirmation 101. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you must repent from your sins. You must turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Guess who said that in Matthew? He gave a command. 
Jesus himself said, now go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and tell them to remember everything that I, taught, that, that I told them. He gave him a direct order. Peter just repeated it. He didn't reinvent the wheel. He said, here it is. Repent and be baptized. I told you the story before. Seminary. About ready to go on internship. And you know, when you're done with some, you're almost done with all the training and the, the, the schoolwork, and man, you leave there. I've got a master's degree, man. Look at this. I am it. And you get to meet with the school board. And they want to quiz you. Well, tell us how your seminary's been going. What'd your wife think? How's your kids? How have the accommodations been? Okay, does baptism save? And Pastor Luke goes, well, see, there's the thing here. Let me just... Salesman took over. Well, baptism... You know, it's the water and the Word, not just the water. You're not just getting wet. You're getting wet, but you're also getting the Word of God. And they come together and they invoke the Holy Spirit. And I went on this long 45-minute tangent. <laughs> and one of the elderly men in the room, <laughs> I'll tell you what he did. He grabbed this book. Catechism question answer number 227. Does baptism save? Well, see, the thing is, let me show off a little bit more. Obviously, you need me to preach a little longer. And one of the, one of the younger pastors that was friends with my father says, Luke, answer the question, yes or no because you're about to go back to day one at seminary. And Dr. Munseth was sitting over on the side, and his, that vein was popping out of his skull. And I'm just like, uh-oh, I messed this one up. So I said, yes, of course. And Dr. Munseth said, could I meet you in my office later? And we did. And I wrote nine more papers in the next three months on baptism. He goes, I want you to take your Bible uh, future Pastor Emerson, and I want you to write every verse that has to do that baptism saves and send them to me. Do you know how long that's going to take, Pastor Monseth? It's doctor to you. Oh. Baptism saves. Peter just got done with that. Repent, be baptized, period. Does baptism save? Yes. Baptism saves. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 3, 19 through 21 says this. For Christ died, for Christ also died once and for all, for just the unjust, and so that he might bring to God, bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, 
in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Period. Peter says that Noah's salvation from the flood was a, was a baptism. In baptism, I become, we become one with Jesus Christ who saves us from being lost and gives us new life. It is not the ceremony that saves us. Instead, the ceremony is evidence in our faith in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Baptism saves. Peter knew that. Peter preached it. He also then gave them a challenge in verse 40. In verse 40 where he goes through and he says this, and, and in many other uh, words, he solemnly testified and kept in, on exhorting them, saying, be saved from the, this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word were baptized. In that day there were, they were added about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Peter urges his listeners to accept Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says this. Philippians chapter 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians 2, 14 to 16 do all things without grumbling or, or, or disputing so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children so that you will provide yourself to be blameless and innocent children, children of God above reproach in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Jesus Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Here we see that Peter is urging them to accept. Why are we so much complaining and arguing so harmfully? That's what he was, te he was talking to this church. He was like, you know, we've been in this, in this, in this, in this, this, this pattern for so long, and so I'm going to challenge you. Yes, I need you to turn from your sin, and I need you to to, to, to come to Jesus Christ, but I need you to act like a church. Want to hit the next slide? He goes, this is, this, is the, this is the game plan. Here's your game plan, guys and gals. I need you to come alongside, to hear the teaching, to fellowship together, to break bread, and to pray together. It's not anything different. It's not hard. Guess what our church needs today? Teaching about Jesus, fellowshiping about Jesus, breaking bread with Jesus, praying, talking to Jesus. It doesn't say have a bunch of parties and you know get a great speaker who's going to give you some 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 gospel message that is contrary to the truth. It's not social gospel. Guess what? Hell's real. Sin is real. 
Peter called him out. I love you. Come hear the teaching, the preaching. Come here and fellowship together. Because you know what? When we get together in fellowship, I know you're sitting right there and usually I talk to that person right there. I'll go, since Tanya's not going to be around much longer, I'll talk straight to her. <laughs> Fellowshipping together is not just once in a while when you feel like it. Fellowship is coming alongside and saying, you know what? I love you. I want to spend time with you because I'm going to miss you. You know? Breaking bread. Yes, that's eating together, but it's also doing what God instructed us to do. Come to the table for the forgiveness of our sins. And then he goes, I just want to talk to you. You ever got to that point where you just want to talk to somebody? Man, I just want to talk to you. I do. You know, this, uh, yesterday we got a, a fantastic time to go out and spend some time talking about a challenge. And the challenge was this. You want to go to the next slide? Here's the guys and gals that went out. Dare to share. And uh, dare to share is a, is a neat thing that it shares the gospel message. Here's the gospel message. They spent time three and a half hours yesterday morning feeding spiritually, then feeding physically. Pizza like you've never seen before. Costco pizza, yeah. You missed out. But, and they had about 15 left. I'm like, hmm, potluck tomorrow? Hmm, or pot blessing? Anyways, um, but they spent time feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding on every level. But then they said, we want you to now go out and feed others. And here's what I want you to share. Next one. That's the message, the gospel message. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and the L, life with Jesus Christ, starts now and lasts forever. They taught to a bunch of kids. Then the kids went out and gathered groceries. And they gathered, and they were able to talk. I was talking to a couple this, this morning. They only got to one place where, they didn't, where someone was a little apprehensive and didn't know. But like Evan asked today, he goes, could we pray for this lady that we met yesterday? He, we didn't get her name. Didn't, they didn't get her name. But the lady from Arlington, who was at home alone, she lost both her sons and her husband in the last four years. And her brother. They got to go say hi to her and raise some canned goods. Guess what? They took it to the street. Then they said, if you can't get this one, we got this one. It's even easier. It's called hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> Having a relationship with God is what we were created for. Our sins separate us for God and separate us from God and cannot be removed by good deeds. 
paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Hope. Gospel. Guess what Peter's preaching about today? Say it. Okay, I know, I know you're Lutherans. Say it again. Gospel. And he's showing them that they have hope. Wow! So you're telling me that the stuff in Scripture agrees with itself? How do we know the Bible is true? Because it says so. So he gave them a challenge. Next slide. He gave them a challenge. So then, after he, they start going through even further, guess what happens? Over 3,000 people became new believers when Peter preached the good news about Jesus Christ. These new Christians were united with other believers. They, taught by the, they were taught by the apostles. They were prayed with by the apostles. They were in meetings. They were in fellowship. They were in the Lord's Supper. You know, I, I have in, in, in my Bible... I don't know where I got this, but it's kind of like a little cheat sheet, I think. I must have been paying attention in one of my classes, but it says the four essentials for sermon and for, for life in general. Survival and revival. Teaching through preaching. Teaching and evangelizing. Showing ethics, morals, but also throwing Jesus. And then lastly, teaching the congregation to worship to break bread, and to pray. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not reinventing anything. I'm giving you just like it says. Because it all points back to one person and one person only. Jesus Christ whose arms are stretched out to welcome you home. Jesus. Peter knew that. And they were going to start Acts, the Acts Church with the right foundation. And it's Jesus Christ. Elam, that's the foundation that we need. Nothing else. Jesus Christ that brings us together to fellowship, to worship, to break bread, and to pray. But we have to have him here. We have to have him right here, right in the center of our chest. Because once he's here, he's going to spread out like crazy through our whole entire body. Put Jesus in your heart. Do you have Jesus in, in your heart? Because if you have Jesus in your heart, then, we've, then we have started on the right foot. Heart, foot, body part, whatever. But now we need to let him spread throughout the rest of us. To not pay attention to anything else except for doing what it takes to reach and disciple people for Jesus. It's called evangelism. And that's what Peter did. Father God in heaven, I come before you right now, and I love you. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you for the time that we can speak in your word. I thank you for how you teach us and you convict us and you challenge us and you encourage us and then you convert us to be exactly what you want us to be. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.